action sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please contact us. Two easy ways to do that are by email and Twitter. On email, you can email us ignition at sfcatholic.org, again, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet at us. Use the Twitter handle sfdiocese, again, S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E, and the hashtag ignition, again, sfdiocese with the hashtag ignition, for any questions you have about today's episode or ideas for future episodes. So uh, uh, I am absent once again. Um, he's not MIA. He's just not here today. Father Andrew Dickinson, my regular um, co-host. Instead, we have on the phone uh, Carl Olson. Uh, Carl, we spoke uh, a few weeks ago about one of your many books. I thought I'd have you back on again to talk about yet another one. But for those who missed last time, last the last episode you were on, could you just briefly introduce yourself a little bit, um, who you are and what you do? Yes, I'm the editor of Catholic World Report and also of Ignatius Insight. I've worked for Ignatius Press since 2004 and uh, written a few books. I wrote a book on the rapture called uh, Will Catholics Be Left Behind? I co-authored a book with Sandra Measel about the Da Vinci Code phenomenon, and that book was titled The Da Vinci Hoax. And um, in addition to doing my duties for Catholic World Report, I've written uh, a lot of columns on you know scripture and apologetics and theology and current events. And for some reason, people keep printing them, so I keep writing them. So just, <laughs> you know, if it keeps on, uh, keeps on going, then no reason to stop it. There we go. And, and uh, you are an adult convert. I am. Uh, my wife and I, we were married in 1994. We were both from evangelical Protestant backgrounds. My background was far more kind of anti-Catholic and fundamentalist in character, and we entered the Catholic Church together in 1997, so we've been Catholic almost 20 years, and since 2000, we have been parishioners at Nativity of the Mother of God Ukrainian Catholic Church, a Byzantine Catholic parish here in the Eugene Springfield area here in in Western Oregon, and so um, we've been really fortunate to be blessed with a great parish and uh, a beautiful place to live. Uh, we just won't talk about the politics. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> it's the Northwest. So. There, there, well, there we go. We'll leave it at that, right? So um, we talked, uh, last time you were on Ignition, we talked about a book that you co-edited that came out this spring um, on deification, divinization, the fact that we are all called, as St. Peter says, to be partakers of the divine nature, that when we are baptized and we participate in the other sacraments, we become like God in a, in a, in a literal way. Uh, that is deeply scriptural, deeply Catholic, deeply Christian. Um, the title for that book is called to be the children of God. But you came out with not just one, but two, no, two books this spring, Carl? Well, it was, <laughs> it's really funny because, as you know, the Call to Be the Children of God book began over five years ago, right. and it's been a long process for a number of reasons. Um, this book, Did Jesus Really Rise from the Dead, is something that came about rather quickly, and the real short story is that late last year, um, Mark Brumley, my boss and the president of Ignatius Press, asked me if I might be interested in writing a study guide to accompany the movie Risen, 
that was going to be coming out and has already come out, obviously, uh, prior to Easter of this year. And for a number of reasons that never that never came about, um, they decided Ignatius Press decided to go in another direction, and that direction was to do a freestanding book uh, about the resurrection. And so the book, the way it came up, the way it exists, and I'm really happy with it, with the approach is it's in Q and A format. So I have an introduction and a conclusion where it's just straight prose, but the main body is about 75 questions about the resurrection and decided to do it this way because I thought it would be really helpful to have a kind of skeptical or even antagonistic uh, dialogue or tone um, with the questions, many of the questions being, you know, skeptical in nature and then going through. And so I wrote it for a, a wide and popular audience, but really tried to bring a lot of scholarship to the foundations of it. And so there's like 200 and some footnotes and a, a pretty lengthy bibliography because there's been a lot of great material written on the topic of the resurrection in defense of the resurrection. But what's interesting is how the majority of it over the last oh, 30 years or so has been written by evangelical Protestants. Right. There really have not been very many books written by Catholics, specifically defending the resurrection of Christ. And one exception to that would be Father Gerald O'Collins, a great Jesuit scholar who's in Rome, who's written, I think, four or five books on this topic. And I, I quote from uh, all of those, actually, in my book. Um, but with, with that exception, there really has not been a, a Catholic book in the recent years defending the resurrection. So we decided to go for it, and that came about pretty quickly. Um, took about maybe two months, three months to put together. So. Five years on well, one you know, hand. Chris, I, I plagiarize most of my best stuff. So that's well, you know so what I, it, 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 it. This is what it is, Carl. I was involved with the first book, so it took a lot longer to get it to right. fruition. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and and you know, the quick point here is, um, I had some invaluable help with this book from Mark Brumley, uh, again, my boss and the president of Ignatius Press. And Mark, many years ago, was a staff apologist for Catholic Answers. I don't know if many people know that now because it's been a long time, but, um, and Mark is a really brilliant apologist, a very fine writer, and, and very, very well read. And he had put together many years ago a pretty long essay on the resurrection, and it was meant for a project that never came to fruition. So he gave me this essay and I used a lot of that as kind of foundational, and I kind of quadrupled uh, it into a, a book. But that was really invaluable because it gave kind of the structure. And then it's something I've studied a lot, too. And I've, as you know, I have a real interest in the New Testament studies and Christology. And so I was able to bring some of that to bear and, and use that and the the many years I've been teaching a Bible study, weekly Bible study in my parish. So all of that kind of came to fruition uh, with this uh, particular book. So you mentioned this earlier, and I wish we would have talked about this uh, with, with the previous book, but audience in mind for this book. Who, who, who did you have in mind, especially you mentioned it's a dialogue format, Q&A approach. Who did you have in mind when you were writing this one? Well, I think first and foremost, it's for... Catholics and even non-Catholic Christians who have questions about how to defend and explain and talk about the resurrection. How do I respond, for instance, to people who say, oh, Jesus didn't even exist. I don't even want to talk about the resurrection. Jesus didn't even exist. No, you know, or, well, 
you can't prove the resurrection. I mean, that's just, you have to accept that on blind faith. And right. if that's what you want to believe, fine. But you can't prove it. You can't offer proof. Um, or, you know, the resurrection, I believe in the resurrection, but not like an actual physical resurrection. I just believe that Jesus is in our hearts, and that's the most important thing. So those are some examples of things that people might hear, and I think those are things that people hear. And we have a lot of those kind of approaches throughout the book, and we answer those, and I go through those very, I think, pretty systematically, but in a way that I think is pretty engaging. Um, and again, kind of in bite-sized chunks because of the Q&A format. Um, and so it is for a popular, wide audience, beginning with Catholics and even non-Catholic Christians. But then I would say this book also would be really good for a somebody who's skeptical or questioning, who's not a Christian, who is opening, who is open to reading about what you know a Catholic perspective on this would be, and to and go through and say, here's here's some evidence, here's some arguments, here's some things that you should consider before you know rejecting the resurrection. Uh, and so the book is meant to be helpful for those folks too. So really, a wide a, a wide range of folks I think can benefit from the book, and I think it would be ideal for like RCI classes or teen you know, youth groups or even adult you know book groups or study groups. I think it'd be perfect for those kind of um, situations. So uh, and and you, it, it's not like you have hours and hours and hours to do all sorts of things. Why was it important to you to write this book? Well, I I think when I began to recognize there there really wasn't a, a recent book on this topic from a Catholic perspective that would be accessible to a wide range of people. So I mean, it, you know, I have a lot of apologetics back in, in my background. I come from a um, a fundamentalist kind of anti-Catholic background. Now, of course, as a fundamentalist, I believed and was taught in the resurrection, so this wouldn't have been a point of contention. But I've always enjoyed answering questions uh, that that kind of question uh, what we believe as Christians, and and I like addressing those things and going through it. But I also find I've just always been you know fascinated by Scripture and studying Scripture, and of course the person of of Jesus Christ, and. I've written a lot of pieces over the years on the historical veracity of like the gospels, the fact that we can take the gospel seriously as documents about history of biography and so forth. And there's just so much stuff out there, as you know, I mean, you've got books by people like Bart Ehrman and John Shelby Spong and, and a whole host of people who are saying you can't trust the gospels. They're all made up. It's all mythology. And so I've, just had a real strong desire to address that. And I think this focusing on this particular issue, which of course is very central to our faith, uh, just was very attractive to me and something that seemed um, to be uh, a natural thing to do. Uh, you're listening to Ignition, a broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm Chris Bergwald, and we're talking today with Carl Olson about his recent book. Um, what is the, what is the title of the book exactly, Carl? I don't know if we've said that yet. Uh, did Jesus really rise from the dead? And the subtitle is Questions and Answers about the Life, Death, and Resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so there's, I think, one of the, there's a couple uh, strengths, I think, to the book um, that might be of interest to folks to hear. And one of those is that there's a lot of background material. Um, first, about the historical reliability of the Gospels. I have a whole chapter on that. Uh, and then also just the nature of the resurrection. Um, 
I don't think you can take for granted that even, you know, Catholics can give you a good answer about what the resurrection really is or really is not. I mean, I think that it's good to always fine-tune what we actually do believe about that. You know, so things like the resurrection is not a resuscitation. Um, it's not just a merely spiritual event. You know, those are two things that you find among people. Um, and I go through the various ideas about what resurrection is. And then, of course, have really to two, three chapters on kind of the different theories or some of them even conspiracy theories about what really happened. Right. Um, and there's, as you know, there's a, there's a wide range of those. But I think what, what happens is that people have kind of a, even believing Christians have kind of a hazy view of the possibilities. And I think one thing the book does really well is it it shows that there's really only a limited number of options. Like, for instance, did Jesus exist or not? Well, I argue that it's really ridiculous to say he didn't. Okay, so if he did exist and he said these things, and we can actually trust the Gospels as historical documents, and it recounts what he said and did, and then we have these accounts of the empty tomb and belief by the apostles and disciples that he had risen from the dead in some way, then we have to address that. So what happened? Did they hallucinate? Did they make it up? Was it a mistake? There's, there's only really a few options that, that realistically could exist, and we walk through those, go through those in great detail. And the point is to really hone in on the fact that at some point, everybody has to really contend with the fact that something really incredible did happen. And if you say it's not the resurrection, you, it's, you know, I think the onus is on people to come up with a satisfying theory, because all the theories that have been out there for centuries now, um, I don't find satisfactory. And we show you know, why in the book. So before we get into those, you had mentioned a bit ago, um, just alluded to the fact that this is you know, an important doctrine. And I think it's worth stating maybe for those who, who aren't as familiar with Christianity, um, whether they're practicing or, or inactive Catholics, inactive Christians, or, or somebody who believes, belongs to another religion. Why is the resurrection so important for us? Well, there's two or three big reasons. Um, right off the bat, one of those is if, if Christ died and stayed dead, then Christianity is essentially a sham. Um, it, it might be kind of a feel-good thing, but there's really no foundation. The entire Christian faith rests on the belief that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, lives today, and that he has conquered death, that death no longer has sway over us, that through um, a saving relationship with Christ, which comes uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, through baptism, we have that, you know, the other, the other book on, on deification, of course, talks about this great deal. We have the saving communion, this transforming relationship with God, and that is because of the saving the death and resurrection of Christ. So, as as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, um, if there's no resurrection, then it's just a sham. We might as well just go become Buddhist or become hedonists or, or just do whatever. It doesn't matter. So there's, it's foundational in that regard. And secondly, and closely related, the resurrection is validation of who Jesus Christ said he was and who the apostles said he was, and that is the Son of God and actually God incarnate. It validates his claims to deity. It validates his claims to being uh, having power over all things. Uh, and so 
it's a really, obviously, it's a huge claim. Um, if it's true, it changes everything. If it's false, that changes everything. I mean, there's no, what I find with some people is it's kind of like, well, you know, if that's your personal belief, and I've always found that really strange, because if Jesus really did rise from the dead, and we do have now the power, by God's grace, to live in eternal communion with God, isn't that something we should be kind of interested right, in? I mean, right. isn't that something that should really fascinate us and, and grip us and attract us? And then if it's not true, if we're convinced it's not true, then Christianity is, wow, it's you know, really one of the great hoaxes of all of, Christian, uh, all of, of human history. So it really is an all-or-nothing proposition. Um, and so those two things, I think, are, are really, really important. And then, of course, there's just the ramifications that flow from Christ being divine, um, having risen from the dead, ascended into glory, the fact that he's the first fruits of the resurrection. We are called to enter into that same eternal beatitude or communion with God. Um, it has a lot of ramifications for how we live in this world. Like, for instance, in the, uh, the introduction, I talk about how Pope... Benedict the Sixteenth, in his great encyclical on hope, Space Salvi, he makes this really great point that in this world, and we see this all the time on a daily basis, we can never achieve perfect justice. Right. There, there is no perfect justice. We, we know of so many things where things happen and, and people get away with stuff. Uh, horrific things happen. Evil, evil is committed, and those who commit it aren't aren't brought to justice in this life. So if atheists are right and there's nothing after death, we live in a world that's incredibly unjust and incredibly, I mean, the word frustrating would be putting it lightly, it's maddening. But if there is an afterlife and there is the reality of judgment and, and there is the reality of ultimately heaven or hell, separation from the love and life of God or entrance into the life and love of God, then we it radically alters how we live our life, how we treat not just friends and family, but obviously strangers and neighbors and how we live in society, and it has ramifications for every single aspect of society. And so I, I touch on that a bit in the beginning of the book, because I think it's a point that maybe we don't often think about as much as we should. Right, right. The, 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 this, why the resurrection is so important. So, uh, what do you want? You want to talk a little bit about the less than satisfactory theories of of uh, how, why the resurrection isn't real, or would you prefer to focus more on the 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 evidence for the truth of how we know the rational case for the the resurrection? I'll let you pick whichever what direction you want to go there. Well, the. Um Kind of a, a background thing that I would emphasize, and I, I make um, a pretty big deal about this at different points in the book, is it's fascinating to me how many of the dominant theories about the resurrection that are, that are contrary to the traditional Orthodox understanding come from 18th century liberal German Protestantism. Right. Um, not that we can blame everything on them, <laughs> but with the the Enlightenment and then the rise of what's called the historical critical method, you, to put it real simplistically, what you had is this approach to Scripture that tried to demythologize it, that tried to take out all the supernatural elements, and tried to explain the Gospels, everything from the miracles performed by Jesus to, of course, the resurrection, in a way that, that did away with kind of the supernatural aspect of it. And there's a lot of reasons for that, and I go into some of that in the book. But this, this had a huge influence on, obviously, the rise of atheism, and you have people like uh, Nietzsche and, 
and others who kind of take it to its logical conclusion, uh, to, to extremes. Now, what you had during the 1800s is, a, is dozens, maybe even hundreds, of these books on the life, life of Christ written. Some of them are, are rather famous, like David Strauss wrote one that's quite famous and influential. And, you know, I make the, the kind of the running joke in the book is, it's amazing how the Jesus that's described in these uh, lives of Christ looks remarkably like an 18th century uh, liberal German Protestant. Right. <laughs> and that's not by accident. You know, Albert Schweitzer, um, himself a, a German Protestant scholar, in his quest, uh, book on the quest for the historical Jesus in the early part of the 20th century, talked about how this happens, that the Jesus that many people write about ends up being a reflection of himself. Right. So you have this difficulty of getting back to what is really said about him. So anyway, the, the, that's a roundabout way of getting to the point that out of these lives of Christ, you have a lot of the theories, like, for instance, the swoon theory. Now, the swoon theory is not taken seriously by like scholars anymore, but it's still kind of popular in certain skeptical circles, right? The idea that Jesus didn't really die on the cross, it only looked like he appeared to die, and then they took him off stage, revived him, dressed him up, he came out, hey, I rose from the dead, and everybody was happy. And, <laughs> and everybody was know, happy. Even, But it's interesting, even David Strauss kind of mocked this idea, even though a lot of his fellow German <laughs> friends believed in it. And one reason he mocked it is he recognized that crucifixion, first century crucifixion by the Romans, was, was a horrific thing. You just don't get right. down from the cross and take some smelling salts right. and, and try yourself. You know, and so I talk in the book about you know, what we know about actual crucifixions. I mean, the Romans, the Romans were really good at killing people and torturing people. <laughs> They knew how to do this. They knew when a person was dead or alive. That was their job, right? I think that's one of the strengths, by the way, of this, the movie Risen, is it really shows the gritty, kind of raw reality right. of, of how it would be. And I think it's important, because sometimes we, we have kind of a pious, kind of hazy view of all that. I think it's good that we get into the nitty-gritty of the, the dusty, dirty reality of it. Um, so the swoon theory is still out there, but it's not take it seriously. One that's far more prominent is the idea that it, it was just a spiritual resurrection. Right. I think you touched on this earlier. And of course that idea is, well, there wasn't a physical resurrection, but Jesus is alive in some kind of mystical, spiritual way, and he fills our hearts with this joy of the resurrection. And you have people like John Shelby Spong, who's a really out there Episcopalian priest or bishop who has been promoting this for decades. Um, but I think it's actually fairly common, even among a lot of Christians who would say that they're traditional or even Orthodox Christians. Um, I think some people are uncomfortable with the idea that there actually was a physical resurrection. Um, and so go into great detail about that. One of the big problems with that particular approach, of course, is that it makes it makes light of the incarnation. Right. One thing that we know through the incarnation is that God believes, God shows us that creation is good. The material realm is good. And yes, the fall had devastating effects on creation and, of course, on our relationship with, with God, but creation itself is good. So in God in becoming man didn't come to save us just on a spiritual level. 
He came to save us completely, body, soul, spirit, everything. That's a really, really key point that uh, emphasized throughout throughout the book. Okay. Um, we've got about three minutes to go. So how, when somebody says, so in, in two minutes, <laughs> how do we know Jesus rose from the dead? The, the basic point that I argue throughout the book is that if we want to talk about quote-unquote scientific proof, you can't scientifically prove the resurrection. But then again, you can't scientifically prove almost the vast majority of anything relating to ancient history. Right. Or even to ordinary daily life. You really can't. Now, what you can show is that it is a reasonable belief based on the preponderance of evidence, based on what we know from the Gospels, which we can take seriously as historical documents, based on the testimony and witness. And this is a big, a huge thing, and that is witness and testimony. It's shown in the book that everything that we know about the ancient world and ancient history is based on witness and testimony. We don't have videotape. We don't have audio tape. We have to trust in the witness, and then we have to compare it and make sense of it in light of other things. So we look at that testimony and witness, and we look at what happened at Pentecost, and we look at the growth of the early church, and we look at the testimony of Paul and Peter, etc., we have to say something happened. Something incredible happened. Now, is it reasonable to believe it was just some kind of murky hallucination or some merely spiritual event? Or do we take these men seriously, and the women, of course, at the, at the tomb, take them seriously when they say, he's risen. He, we touched him. He ate food in front of us. We saw him. He appeared to us many times, you know, between his, the resurrection and his ascension. And then it really starts to make sense of what I would call the, the Big Bang. I mean, I, I think the the resurrection is the Big Bang within human history. Yeah. It doesn't make sense unless we take seriously the supernatural um, that's behind it, the supernatural things behind it, and we, we take seriously the witness and testimony given to us in uh, Scripture. So, if we, and, and so to me, along those lines, when I look at, you look at the growth of the church, the early church, in the face of persecution, um, particularly for the first generation of disciples who, who claimed to be witnesses. Um, if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, what did they get out of it? They didn't, they didn't, well, I guess they, maybe they got famous, I guess, but infamous maybe is better. Um, but ultimately, they didn't get rich, they got dead. Uh, and yet right. they went to their, their, their death proclaiming Christ is risen. Yeah, that's an essential point. It's a key point. Um, almost all the apostles were martyred. They had nothing to gain from making this up. And the fact is, there's no way they could have made this all up and kept the story straight. It just would not have happened. So the, the book is, uh, once again, Did Jesus Really Rise from the Dead? Out this spring from Carl Olson. Carl, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Chris. And that wraps up this episode of Ignition. Again, email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet at us, sfdiocese, use the hashtag ignition with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.